guys, welcome to the kids table. This week we are watching 1993's Meteor Man, uh, I'm sorry, The Meteor Man, uh, directed by and starring Robert Townsend. The summary is as follows. A high school teacher from a troubled inner city Washington DC neighborhood, because is there any other kind, becomes a super powered hero and takes on a gang that has been terrorizing his streets. Uh, we're gonna play you a trailer and we'll be right back. He's come to save the world, one neighborhood at a time. Media man. Sorry, Mike. Robert Townsend, Marla Gibbs, Eddie Griffin, Robert Guillaume, James Earl Jones, Bill Cosby, and another bad creation. Special appearances by Luther Vandross, Sinbad, Naughty by Nature, Cypress Hill, and Big Daddy Kane. Stay chilly, peace them out. Chilly. Robert Townsend is. Have a good night, folks. Meteor Man, directed by Robert Townsend. Hey guys, uh, welcome to the kids' table. This is Kendra. This is Matt. Matt looked taken by surprise. No, I'm good. <laughs> Matt um, is across the room today, and it's because we finally think we got our microphone situation figured out. Yay! And <laughs> uh, that other small sound was my brother Jacob. Um, only here because Kendra feels bad that she made me watch this movie a year ago. I did. And I totally forgot what the plot was, so I had to rewatch it again, fresh, last night. Um, yeah, I... I originally thought we were going to do this podcast like a year, year and a half ago. And so Jake so valiantly sat down and watched this 90 minute movie. Um, and then 100, it's 100 minutes. Sorry, 100 minutes. And then it was Black History Month. And I was like, oh, we should like pull out Meteor Man. And I was like, and great, I'll get like one of my black friends to come and be a guest on it for Black History Month. And then I was like, oh, no, Jake. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, <clears throat> you kept apologizing that I had to watch this movie, and I didn't actually mind it that much, but it's just every time we mentioned it, and you were like, we gotta do that Meteor Man episode, I'm so sorry you had to watch it. I was like, it's fine. It wasn't I that think bad. This movie, I like the movie. Yeah, this movie is pretty like wild and, and fun in a kind of good, bad way. Mm -hmm. It has a dated message, but that's about the biggest critique I would level at it. Yeah, I um I saw this a bunch when I was a kid, and I just was like very enthusiastic about the thought of doing it again. Um, I wouldn't say it held up, but it wasn't terrible. When you watched as a kid, what was the thing that like made you want to keep rewatching it though? Oh, because I um I used to watch this show called The Parent Apostrophe Hood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah, it was nice. the, yes, Parent Apostrophe Hood, and it was uh, Robert Townsend's TV show that used to come on the WB. Uh, and it was just like about, it was kind of Cosby-esque mm -hmm. in that it was just about like a family. I think the wife was a lawyer and the father was a college professor and the father was played by Robert Townsend. And so he, it, he, it was just basically his own version of the Cosby's and it was him and his four kids and his wife living in this very nice Brooklyn brownstone and having family adventures. Yeah, I feel like in this movie it comes out of the same tradition. The Huxtable template was set, and then yeah. that messaging continues. It's true. Um, and Robert Townsend has, like, a pretty important, like, uh, space or part of black cinema. Um, 
he directed a movie called Hollywood Shuffle that is hilarious and wonderful, and it's a send-up. It's a, a satirical send-up of um, black exploitation movies and the way black actors were asked to uh, behave and act in in Hollywood, like through really, you know, the mid '90s. Actually, I would say we didn't really. You also, yeah. I mean, I want to. You also showed us Baps. Okay, that's not. I want to go through the highlights <laughs> of his career. He's, he has an interesting career. He really does. Yeah, but Baps looked really funny. Okay, Baps is. It's fine. I. It's like. Baps is the scene that. So I showed them the bidet scene, which if you just Google Baps or YouTube search Baps bidet, it will come up instantly. <laughs> and I was actually showing them that scene and like kind of watching it through fresh eyes and realizing that it reminds me a lot of the Rip It scene from um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Oh, which like, I think I've shown both of you as the well. Ribbit. Is that when she brings out the chainsaw yeah. and starts taking out the couches? But yes. if you want to see Holly, see that movie, but, okay. if you want to see Holly Berry do some like proper physical comedy where they're slipping around on the bathroom floor, that isn't just like the unintentional comedy of like Catwoman or something. <laughs> then it's like really funny. But I know it's like really basic, like race-based humor around yeah. the idea of like a fish out of water story. Yeah, but so Robert Townsend, yes, he did do Baps, um, but before. <laughs> Before you gotta look that in the eyes and just like, acknowledge. Shuffle. Yeah, he did Hollywood Shuffle, um, and he directed Eddie Murphy Raw, which was the uh, oh, yeah. leather suit stand-up. The special. red leather suit—that's a really good special. It's so good. Um, also, it's, it's another one of those things where like the jokes don't quite hold up in today's political climate, but very homophobic. Yeah, super homophobic. Super yeah. homophobic. Kind of sexist. Oh, and yeah. uh, Eddie Murphy. But that's the one I believe where now, like, there's all these gift sets going around Tumblr. Uh, one of the jokes that I had forgotten, I believe, is basically, a, like, he's sitting with a group of white people, and they're all like, you know, I just voted for that guy for fun, just because he was funny. And then they're like, I can't believe he got elected. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, it's an indictment of your people. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, so after after Eddie Murphy Raw, he did The Five Heartbeats, which if you grew up in a black household, that's like a very important movie. Question. Uh, yeah. You have probably seen all of Robert Townsend's films, like his early films, without, like, before you knew who Robert Townsend was then, is what you're saying? You saw, you've seen Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah. You've seen Baps. Yeah. You used to love to watch The Meteor Man, and you've seen The Five Heartbeats. Yeah. So, I mean, those were all of his big films back in the late 80s to Pretty, 90s. yeah. I mean, and he also, like, also he, so... He directed Carmen, a hip opera. I've heard of that. <laughs> it's yeah. the best thing ever. It's um Beyonce as Carmen. What? Yeah. Wait, you never. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's an MTV uh, TV movie. What year and, did it come out? Uh, two thousand one. Okay. And it's Mackay Pfeiffer, Beyonce. I think Wyclef Jean is in it. Uh, DeBrat, Joy Bryant. Fuck. Rod Digga, Jermaine Dupri. It, and it's exactly what the title says it is. It is Carmen, a hip opera. <laughs> so that's interesting though, because like. In in this movie, in Meteor Man, yeah. uh, the cast is also pretty stacked for the time period. Yeah, it's yeah. He he has great. I don't know if it's connections or if it like his name or whatever. People just like really wanted to be involved with him. It's really interesting because he, given all the people in this movie, uh, Sinbad, um, uh, James Earl Jones, Bismarcky. Bismar- 
Yeah. Luther Vandross, Bill Cosby, um, Cypress Hill. Don Cheadle. Is... Naughty by nature. Yeah. But I mean, there's... Chris Tucker? Chris... Yeah, Chris... Did anybody catch him? Yes. yes. Chris Tucker's in hiding mall. in the mall. Like, in the mall. You see him for about a half second, but he has like three lines. Yeah. It was great. Um, and then like some of like the, uh, what would, sort of like the golden age, like elite black actors as well like tiny lister who like works a lot you've probably seen him in anything from like the dark knight returns to what else did we decide he was in uh oh he's the fifth element yeah the fifth element element. i was gonna say he's a voice in zootopia (laughs) he's the the police chief right is he the police chief no i thought idris elba was police chief Oh, you're right, you're right. You're oh, right. yeah, yeah. Sorry. But, sorry, so also in Meteor Man is Marla Gibbs, uh, Robert Goulamay, um, let's see, is there anyone else? Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn. <laughs> okay, Wallace Shawn is not. playing a Bupon teacher. The elite black actor Wallace Shawn. <laughs> not, no, not at all. Um, um. <laughs> we gotta get these kids out of the school. <laughs> By the way, so much, like, great talent and people that were, like, in their heyday at the time the movie was made, and all of it just squandered. Everybody is in there for about three lines if they have anything to say. Naughty by Nature and Cypress Hill show up at the end, which we can talk about later, because it is the single-handedly most problematic thing about the entire movie. Oh, you think? Oh, I'm really excited. Okay. I'm excited to know what Jake's was. We can get there. We don't have to do it We can talk about it. Maybe I misinterpreted it, but I think it, like, totally undermines the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. in, like, literally the last ten seconds. I think. Okay. yeah i think it's like yeah it makes no sense Anyways, okay um get to it that'll come yeah up. yeah so we also just to round out the cast uh eddie griffin uh a young eddie griffin who we're supposed to believe is a genius by the way best character in the whole movie can we talk you about eddie griffin so? a little bit yeah he's a horny inventor like he's <laughs> so a horny. horny scientist guy also <laughs> but he, it never sorry i just like the fact that they established that he's smart once by saying like i invented a thing that will like uh, measure an audience measure audience reaction to your concert because he's a musician we Robert never Townsend see is. him play an instrument by the way like nope. it's never harkened back to his house is his like shitty apartments filled with like jazz related artwork and paraphernalia right but like yeah they really toss that aside and then yes. for the rest of the movie griffin is just trying to get laid yeah and he's just a horn dog character and that's yeah. it um and then the last person that unfortunately we do have to acknowledge is in this movie well, is, cut. Is, <laughs> is, uh, the dark specter <laughs> the fallen angel billiam cosby billiam i'm just joking right? oh okay yeah um bill, bill cosby is in this movie as an impish mixic figure and it, it oh it, wow that's how you pronounce that yeah mix oh yeah mixic piddlick well superman character right? little demon, yeah little huh? like yeah, he's a little dude who, like, he's an imp. He's, like, a... An imp. And if okay. you say his name... Three times? Three, like, backwards or something. Some bullshit. Yeah. Some Rumpelstiltskin shit. Sorry, guys. I tried, tried to make a reference. We we just recorded uh, our Power Rangers episode before this, and references were flying fast and furious, back and forth. Well, and a lot I no, here, I'll tie it in. It's a DC Comics reference, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And this is... This trying is, to be a DC Comics reference. It was a comic. Is. I forget who ended up publishing. It was like a short-lived series after that. Was it? Um, Meteor Man. Was, made it. Did Milestone do it, maybe? I don't know. Okay. but Milestone being like the black uh, comics publisher. In 95, what were the... What were other like... Black superheroes? Yeah. Black Panther, I guess. Black. I mean, Black Panther was around. I don't know if he had his own... Um, series at the time and static I'm, was not i'm wondering if static had been invented yet i think that's like early aughts yeah no well he 
Uh, let me, let me look, let me look, let me look. Yeah, he was invented in 2000, so... Or no, he was, no, his first appearance was 1993. Okay. Yeah, so he was around. Um, I mean, Storm is always a yeah, presence. Yeah. But no, there weren't... Kind of, one of the things that I was thinking about while I was watching this movie was that perhaps Robert Townsend had to fly so that Chadwick Boseman could be a cat. Yes, he will try and thread that line throughout history, starting with this milestone. It seems like it is kind of, though, because like yeah. the amount of famous people that he got in his movie, it seemed like he must have had some sort of weird pull, or at least... He definitely had pull. This man had clout. Like, he was a big deal as a black director. Like, he wasn't Spike Lee, but I, he was just, I think, just as big. They just made different types of movies. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For yes. sure. I mean, Spike Lee would dip into parody too and satire and stuff like that but he was always a way more biting of, and vicious yeah. and like you know he was not gonna do uh what townsend did which was make a pg right. superhero movie for kids although spike lee did do crooklyn the next year which is mm -hmm. his one pg-13 movie yeah um that's and technically would, for kids i would argue that's not exactly like i wouldn't sit my it kid is not down in front of that nope the kids like. sniff glue and then float into the air in that one because like local people on the streets just give them like a bag to huff in one scene it's not a kids movie no no um this is i mean and this, this movie isn't a kids movie either though yeah it's what's yeah. weird about it but it's it's definitely this is a family movie like this is supposed to be watched by kids and parents i guess yeah the they try and incorporate all ages sort of wanting to see it yeah. which can lead to like some super awkward juxtapositions of like content yeah, yeah. like when horny eddie griffin right is trying to like hit on people and he's just Okay, can we go back to Eddie Griffin, though? Because that's yes. what I want to actually talk yes. about. Okay. I like yeah, yeah. Eddie Griffin. Okay. Um, Eddie Griffin, to me, is like a weirdly uh, undervalued character in that. They try to make him like this funny sidekick who's just sort of like a one-note joke. But, like, you know, Matt, you were talking about how he's right at the beginning of the movie, he's walking with Robert Townsend in their high school, and he's created a machine that can literally read the vibes of the room. Yeah. So, first off, he is a genius, because he created a machine that can read vibes. He's like the coolest 7th grade science teacher that I've never had. <laughs> I just wanted like him to... So, let me clear up what I want Jake's to talk getting, about. Yeah, Jake's I'm getting riled up because I really liked Eddie Griffin. And I felt like they used wow. him poorly. Yeah. Because he is probably one of the most smart... One of the smartest characters in the entire movie. Within the internal reality Within of the, the internal movie, yeah. reality of it. Because when Robert Townsend gets hit by the meteor... Meteor man... Um, Eddie Griffin, his friend. I forget what the friend's name is, by the way, in the movie. Jefferson? Jefferson? Or? I don't know. Oh, it's Michael. It's just though. Michael. Michael? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, Jeff is um, the main. Sorry, Jeff is the main character, maybe. Jefferson Reed, yeah. Yeah, Jefferson. Okay. So he's, like, the first person to be able to, like, deduce uh, how the powers work. Right. And what a, exactly is going through on. Through a, just a... Staring at him. Like a headline in, a, in an article. Yeah. Well, not only that, but he first shows up. Robert Townsend get hit by, he gets hit by the meteor. He has the powers, and then his friend Eddie Griffin shows up, Michael, and then um, he's like trying to prove to him that he has superpowers. He doesn't believe him at first, and then finally he's like, "Okay, I have this magazine. Tell me what it says." And uh, Robert Townsend touches the magazine. One of his powers is Which, that he sorry, by the way, that magazine. I got a little thrill out of that because it's a Jet magazine with uh, Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, on the cover, <laughs> who is currently like leading the the. Uh, the fight to impeach Trump right now. And yeah. I just, really? I, yeah, I just really liked, like, 
I mean, I know she's been relevant for a very long time. Like, she's been in politics for ages. But it was just so nice to see, like, in 1993, she was literally just as relevant as she is right now in this moment of recording at 20, in 2017. Yeah. That's anyway. crazy. I had no idea. Good yeah. catch. Thanks. I got very excited. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, when he touches yeah. that magazine, he has the ability to know all the contents of a book for about 30 seconds. And exactly. 30 exactly. Yeah. 30 this seconds. is one of his canonical powers. Yeah. yeah. And Eddie Griffin manages to figure that out like in 30 seconds basically. There's just one quick shot when he's like, you know, rereading for verbatim all the stuff in the magazine and he just like casually looks at his watch and then he's just like it only lasts for 30 seconds and that's it. And then Robert Townsend is just like you're right. And then later in the movie, Eddie Griffin is talking again and he sees Robert Townsend. I forget what happens, but he starts to lose his powers and he's not sure what's happening. Yeah. And he just like manages to figure out like the side effects of the meteor. Like the, I don't know, like the half-life, the decay. Yeah. The meteor <laughs> creates like a lack in your powers after that. You're using time. more scientific words with like saying half-life and decay that well, ever yeah. came into play in this movie. <laughs> Well, because Eddie, you're right, though. You get a little whiplash with Eddie Griffin's kid, with Michael. Because he's, like, 90% of the time, he's just like, ooh, let me get, like, ooh, baby, let me, like, where are you (laughs) later tonight and all this shit. And it's, like, uh, and it's, uh, it's just, like, it's hard to go from him being, like, a total, like, thirsty horn dog to, like, suddenly being, like, it seems the meteor's, like, bound itself molecularly to your structure and all this kind of stuff. You're like, wait, oh, I fucking forgot. Like, <laughs> like you need to, like, place reminders more regularly in the film. Yeah. Um, no, Eddie, I mean, Eddie Griffin was great. Not his favorite role of mine is an undercover brother, another movie that probably won't hold up to scrutiny in today's mm. political and social climates. But. Yeah, this movie started off uh, immediately with... Um, the, uh, just a rip from the John Williams score for Star Wars. Oh, Star Trek. No, Superman, I thought. Star Wars. Was it Star Wars? Yeah. Okay. Because rem- the opening credits reminded me of Superman. Just the way they were styled. But maybe the music was it's something It's like else. straight up the song. They might have changed like... They might have done like a vanilla ice on it and changed like one note. But yeah, it is... It is the Star Wars score. I just had to bring that up. I was like... Oh, oh I didn't... I'm going to have to go... I'll drop that in actually. and The listeners can... Um, decide for themselves yeah hey guys so i tried to find what matt was talking about and he's gonna be pissed at me because i literally have no idea what he was talking about but um here's the song from the opening credits it sounds nothing like star wars uh write us and let us know Yeah. Like, so they should be in hot water a little bit more than they hmm. maybe were. Who did the <laughs> Did they do more than 30 movie? seconds of it? That's the question. Ah, no. Yeah. Okay. It's that 30-second nice. rule. <laughs> but yeah, it opens... I was reminded personally of the Superman credits when it opened, and maybe that... I don't know. Maybe it's just because that was just me, and I was having a moment. Hmm. Um, but the movie itself, like, one, it opens with this really picturesque version of DC. Yeah. That is, like, making me think of DC in a way that I'm not thinking of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, this beautiful place where, like business and and matters of state happen yeah (laughs) and their neighborhood's really nice yeah i thought it was yeah brownstones yeah row houses english row houses it's the the inner city 
Yeah, people yeah. are out and about, like, yeah. even during the night. Yeah. Until the golden <laughs> until the golden lords show up. So they first first of all, Robert Townsend himself, uh, weird, not the strongest lead. Like no, the, he's his not. his line deliveries are really weird, and his timing, like he like he was sort of like would say like three quarters of his lines, and then remember he had to say the remainder <laughs> and like deliver it in this weird way. And he was like for for like. The, the most of it even when he had the powers originally he's felt a little comatose and like not involved like every, while whereas everyone else was like these cartoony figures in this movie for kids like he was just like quietly like like faintly saying his lines and being really demure the I whole think, the whole time i think I, comedy is more townsend's strong suit um he's actually pretty good there's a denzel washington movie called the mighty quinn oh, that yeah. robert townsend co-stars in uh, didn't direct it or anything but he's actually fairly good in that and that's like a little bit of a dramatic role but in terms of like the stuff that i have seen him in he like excels in hollywood shuffle and his show the parenthood really allows him to like he only that's only comedic pretty much gotcha. it's, until you get to that you know the lesson learned moment where you have to sit down with your son and be like we don't have glue in this household or whatever <laughs> i guess he does play the like wilting like milk toast nerd who just believes that you should always turn the other cheek and like not yeah. uh ever fight back or something yeah by the way a... practical advice to stay out of trouble and not get hurt which okay so he's um, a he's yeah a substitute... why are you not mad at the girl who broke that kid's arm he, yeah he's yeah, so that's plot point. he's a substitute teacher in dc public schools and he gets into work and he's called into the principal's office and the principal proceeds to yell at him for telling this child not to fight back against a bully and the parent of the child oh the parent of the child by the way is jennifer lewis my pretend grandma <laughs> no, she i love her she's um she's the mom on blackish Oh man. She's still this movie was shot in nineteen ninety three. She looks exactly the same now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was gonna beat up Robert Townsend. Yes, she was. Um but yeah, so he's getting yelled at for like telling this kid not to fight. Not only that, but like not to fight back at a younger girl. Like right. as in they're mad that they their son was advised not to turn around and beat the shit out of some young girl that like yeah. was Jake, terrorizing him. This is the poison that's plaguing the urban community. This idea of toxic masculinity. <laughs> you know establishing your dominance this is a kind of at mindset that creates what is what is the word that keeps being used by a certain administration uh, um uh, carnage car american Chaos. carnage yeah america the american carnage in the urban cities and if chicago doesn't get better we're sending in the feds the feds the like feds. like he saw a movie once <laughs> uh fucking fucking ridiculous but so like robert townsend is like you know, I guess he's playing a character, but he's supposed to be the paragon of yeah. do what's right. Cowardice, though, at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. Because they, but like the whole uh, the it's confused. MO, the, it's confused movie, so yeah. we can get that out of the way because it contradicts itself and has different viewpoints, like from scene to scene. But yeah. in this scene that we're talking about in particular, when he's getting scolded by the principal and two parents. Two um, women, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think so is significant. I think it's significant that he's being chastised by it's two It's definitely women. supposed to be a little bit, like, emasculating. Yeah. This is the second episode in a row I have yeah. that we've recorded that I've now said the word emasculating. <laughs> but you're supposed to think he's, like, a weakling. Right. he advises the kid to, like, turn around and book it yeah. when he's getting attacked or harassed or whatever. I don't, they don't really make it clear what, like, the little girl was doing to the kid. 
And my question, him? my question actually he is... He broke his arm. Yeah. He had, like, a, he had a slang and he was missing a tooth. Yeah, and he had a broken leg. This yeah. little girl is like fucking insane. And <laughs> that, little, that little kid... Feral b- girl. <laughs> and he does not end up becoming a baby lord, right? We don't see that kid. <laughs> Sorry. In, in, it's it's context. that scene. I is think. it? I thought part of the thing was like... I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I thought he was like ended up like being like one of yeah one of the kids. I thought so he's so. getting scolded, and then aside, just to sort of talk about how most of the jokes in this movie land very flat, particularly Robert <laughs> Townsend. I think everybody else is pretty good in this movie. He's bad though, mm-hmm. and he has a line when the parents are yelling at him, and they're like, "Why would you advise your son to run away quickly? That's your advice." And he says, "I didn't say quickly. I said rapidly." And it's just like, oh, it's yeah, so bad. It's really He's bad. clearly trying to be like the smart professor who uses like you know grammar like a little bit more properly, but mm-hmm. like it's just like, oh, it's just it's so flat and unfunny, and it just makes you cringe. He seems yeah, yeah but he he seems really out of it. Like he seems out of it. He's tired. He's tired. <laughs> it might way. be a character choice, but it also maybe he's right. just tired because he has to direct his own movie or something. Like and then act in it. Uh, he yeah. says action and sprints in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. He's like all out of breath. Well, it's like I was gonna I said rapidly. <sighs> there would have <laughs> there would have been something. That's a good like, take. That's the take. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been something to have been said for like, oh, it's your first time acting and directing. Like I understand where that could be challenging, but this is hard his first time no, acting and directing third? yeah like hollywood shuffle five heartbeats and meteor man yeah did he direct five heartbeats did we he decide did, yeah. okay yeah then yeah so, so i don't know maybe maybe should have some experience it's also, a character choice then there's a lot going on in the movie mm-hmm. just seems like it was complicated it seems like <laughs> it was a tough movie to make yeah um because there was probably like it seems like he had a lot of clout and people were expecting this to be like some sort of major major breakout thing yeah yeah but so if we follow the 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 theme of that one scene then the overarching theme of the movie which i think is the majority of what it tries to preach is that you should physically fight back if you are being if your community is being terrorized by violence and gang self-policing is the big theme afterwards and here's the thing so i was like trying to i was thinking of it in like the context of what we're being given today and i know i joked earlier about like chadwick boseman but i actually think like the real line to be drawn here there is like there is precedence for this kind of movie like the the idea of the black neighborhood the as donald trump would say the inner city uh needing its own superhero i think you can draw a a direct line from meteor man to something like luke cage where No, seriously, where, like, this movie clearly came out of an era where we were worried about gang, or I say we, I mean, like, I guess, I don't know who I mean when I say that. Like, the culture was worried about, like, gang violence, drug violence, like, drug-related violence, definitely. But wasn't I saying, didn't we mention off-mic that, like, I don't know, I'm kind of forgetting, I could look it up, but, like, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about basically bill clinton's administration right and the crime when did the crime bill get like that would have been like 94 or when did he, he was elected in 92 so that could have been anywhere between 93 94 95 yeah it's either that he signed yeah. it into existence or like you know the stage was being set for that so like that was a huge um you know that was a huge rationale and sort of like line that was being fed right the black urban community, I guess, or yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, just, like, what I'm saying is, like, Luke Cage played with the idea of, not, of like, needing, like, all, it came out of an era where people were getting shot by the police. So you create a bulletproof man who is, like, the superhero of the neighborhood that would be targeted by the police 
This is a movie where you have a neighborhood being targeted by gangs, you have a neighborhood being like, I guess, racked by drug issues, so you create a superhero that can like fix up that neighborhood. Yeah. It's like, it's a fantasy solution. It is a fantasy solution. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, very much, yeah, like extremely so. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. And his, the other thing I is he's- think, I don't think it's weird though, I think it's like, in- it's and reductive. The, the tone, issue is the tone of the more complicated. The tone of no, the movie. No, totally. Is yeah. No, the situation is more complicated, but I get like when you're I don't want to say desperate, like Robert Townsend clearly wasn't coming out of this neighborhood at this time in his life. But when you're well, no, because he's like, you know, a Hollywood no, yeah, director no, at this you. point. Yeah. But he's like a sort of Cosby acolyte, right? Like, yeah. Th like, that idea was still prevalent. Exactly. So I get that he was like meditating on that and came around to the meteor man. Yeah. So like because the bulletproof thing isn't like the, the the times when this sort of seems to go extreme one of the times that it feels less like a kids movie is when guns emerge yeah like even though the guns in this movie look very fake did you notice that well yeah but it's sort just of. it was just crazy like there right. was a ton of them and like but i think that was intentional i think they're supposed to be like extremely scary and like yeah and then don Cheadle and that guy who carries an uzi whose name is uzi yes. <laughs> um, why do you think he carries an uzi dick <laughs> What came first? <laughs> the name or the Uzi? Yeah. <laughs> um, they riddle Robert Townsend with bullets. They do. I can't remember Robert Townsend's character's name in this Jefferson, movie. Jefferson. Jefferson Reed. Jefferson Reed. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what do they call him, Mr. Reed? Yeah. Um, we'll just say. Can I? Okay. I'm trying to. Or do you want to? No, I just want to say if we're gonna talk about the people who are attacking him, I think we need to. He gets right. hit. Yeah. So he is hit with this meteor. Um, after being cowardly, essentially. That is, sorry, yeah. that is one thing that I thought was actually fucking disturbing. Like, that scene, oh. <laughs> the scene where the meteor is, like, slowly sinking into his body and he has third-degree burns all yeah. over his face and he's screaming, that reminded me of, like, that reminded me of, like, the 70s and 80s, like, trash movies. Mm -hmm. Like, street trash yeah. or, like, the stuff... Or, like, these really, like, gory, like, B-Z-list movies. He gets chased by it down an alleyway, basically, it's by scary. this meteor. Yeah, and then it absorbs into his body. It, like, looks... It's excruciating looking. Like, he's screaming, and he's got, like, boils and, like, yeah. like blisters Lesions. all over. It's fucking... It's not, like... It's not, like, the, like... It's not the, like, little, like, antiseptic, like, gaining of powers that, like, the Power Rangers get, mm -hmm. or, like, somebody. It's not like you touch a stone and, like, light. It looks awful. <laughs> and actually, and honestly, like, to be fair, that's probably, like, if you get bitten by a radioactive spider, I feel like you're gonna have some, it's gonna be painful, you know what I mean? I feel like this is a realistic portrayal of what it's probably like to get superpowers. Mm, realistic. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just okay, be, be impeccable with your word. Fair. Yeah. The meteor sucks into his belly and okay. is somehow just in there, but not Okay, what there. I'm saying is I think getting superpowers would probably hurt a lot fucking more than what we are told in comic books. Right, but you the spider bite thing is just icky, because no one wants to it's get bit by a spider. Yeah. But like, if you're bitten by something radioactive, <laughs> you can expect that, like, you're gonna have a side effect. Yeah, yeah. This, he's sick, basically. I love the doctors when they roll him in after mm -hmm. he's hit by the meteor, and he's like, you know, his skin's all, like, falling off of his face and stuff and then they just casually look at his wrist and you see like a little bit of the meteor that didn't quite <laughs> yeah, it's like, just um, it's his arm, and they all just raise their eyes at each other and they're like mm -hmm. so one of the doctors <laughs> that's fucked up oh geez one, oh, of the, <laughs> one of the doctors in that scene raising her eyebrows i just i'm gonna bring it down for a second um i apologize oh. is this is a pg movie 
Well, it's it, it. There's some non-PG things revolving around it. So we'll talk about Cosby. Later. Yeah. Well, no, we're gonna have to address Cosby right now because okay. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the doctors in that scene is Beverly Johnson, the black. I believe her name is Beverly Johnson. I believe um, the black supermodel who uh, was one of the most prominent women to come out and accuse Bill Cosby of rape. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like interesting. I think it was, she was one of the people who did the New York Magazine interview. Remember the cover with the 40 women on it? Um, And her story, okay, I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here because it's really disturbing to me. Her story specifically involves like this giant uh, brass espresso maker. And she said, like, she says that she distinctly recalls him like offering to make her coffee and it, he made it on this espresso machine that he was making a big deal about because it was giant brass and it was like it was like before the era where Starbucks, you know, was everywhere and so it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. That giant brass coffee maker, Cosby had a second Cosby show like that came on on CBS like in the mid 90s uh-huh. thereabouts and there's a whole plot line on that ep- on that Cosby show about like Bill Cosby, they own a coffee shop in that series Mm -hmm. getting like this giant brass uh, coffee maker and so it always has stuck with me that Mm -hmm. he took an implement of rape and wrote it into his tv show wait how did he use the coffee maker so there so he that's he brewed her the coffee that he then drugged her with oh yeah did this happen around the same time that they were filming Meteor Man? i forget is that how they met was on so that's actually that's a good question i yeah i I mean, I forget when she accused him. I could, actually, oh, I'm sorry. Her story was in Vanity Fair. The other, the other forty women were on the New York magazine. Hmm. Um, they met in the mid '80s initially. Okay. Yeah. So this happened post that, which really must have sucked for her. So like then I don't think to they, go back to her attacker. Yeah, and they clearly like they weren't in any scenes together. Like he, Bill Cosby, only shows up like a, a real handful of times. He's throughout barely this movie. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And he's she, weird. He's like it's like a weird role that like it, it just feels like because he's the spiritual like father of the totally. whole idea of this respectability sort of self policing mm-hmm. thing. He, give, he gets a role as such, like, almost metaphorically, where he's just kind of, like, observing the black community, like, purge itself of, un, like, weird... But, oh, that's... Yeah. And he's just, like, in a basement, and he talks to dogs. <laughs> I mean, if we And he could, saves the day. I don't, if we could just leave him in a basement talking to dogs? Like, if we could have left him in 1993, like, in a basement talking to dogs, I think we'd all be a little better off. I think, well, yeah. But that would have been, like, even more interesting that, than how they use him in the movie, you know what I mean? Like, to have him as sort of like, okay, all the, none of the yeah. craziness about him was out in 1993 no, when he no, was in this movie. So, was, that's not true. It was. Was it? Every, like, it was one of those things where it was like, we all know this man is drugging people regularly. Oh like, really? Yeah. It was, an open, it, was an, it was an open secret for like 20 years. Yeah. yeah. It came up a little bit, I want to say, like, someone tried to call him out on it in the, maybe the mid-90s, early aughts, and it was quickly, like, Swept un- it was quickly Whoa. silenced, swept under the rug. But it, it was very clear that, like, people knew what was going on. Yeah. And even, I think it's, like, Lisa Bonet, or maybe, it was either Lisa Bonet or Raven Simone, I can't remember which one, s- 
it was Lisa, said, like, on the Cosby show, like, she did not, they did not get along. She did not like him. She won't, I don't think she's ever said why, but one can maybe guess that it yeah. has something to do with that. It was that. just this weird, uncomfortable, and, and, like, to be fair, not to be fair, but to, like, just yeah. say, like, I think, like, that just sort of happened, it feels, I feel like it happened a lot, like, Cosby was, like, the most egregious perpetrator yeah. of it, but, like, everyone, there was even, like, uncomfortable jokes about it in the 90s you know yeah but it was like laughed it was laughed off (laughs) yeah and it's i don't does anyone do any of you know why it kind of took off when hannibal burris just like no clue i I I remember i I think it's because of like for all the like i I think it's just because like of like like people more aware of of social justice yeah okay that's yeah no that's i just think it was just a more fertile time for people to be outraged and actually do anything about it yeah but that's sorry. That was just like a long tangential way of saying it. Like, really sucks that Beverly Johnson had to be anywhere near this movie with. Oh my god! Totally. Bill Cosby on set. Anyway, the hilarious hospital scene. <laughs> sorry, uh, as we back away from the rape. Yes. Talk about. Yes, we've looked into the void and we're emerging out of it. Pull back a little bit. Um, uh, otherwise, this movie is. It still holds like a special spot for my childhood. Yeah. Let's look at Cosby in a vacuum. In just the context <laughs> of the movie, shall we? If we can, yeah. 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 So, um, taking that lens, <laughs> right? So he has—he's in the hospital. He's got powers. He discovers he has powers. This is Jeffrey. We're talking about again, Jefferson, Meteor Man, Meteor Man, <laughs> the the Meteor Man. Sorry. Um, he's discovering that he has powers um, because he's realizing that he can see through people's clothing, but not their underpants. Yeah. Because that would be. All rated R. <laughs> yeah, just the <laughs> full frontal dicks out, just a rated PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he's like looking through people's clothes. clothes. And it was actually interesting because this was so early in the nineties, women were still wearing slips. So like they were all wearing like the white slips under their nursing clothes, which I thought was funny because I don't know anyone now who wears <laughs> a slip. Do you guys know what slips are? Just that sort of like form, like right that like yeah. sort of like shift thing. It's an underskirt. Of, yeah, basically. yeah. Oh well, I thought I actually kind of took that to be like they they he wanted to do underpants because it's funny and mm-hmm. like the kids are gonna laugh. They're like underpants, yeah. but he still had to do PG underpants. But I, yeah, that's so what I thought. Yeah, that's but all even I thought. but I think I like even really now you could get a, like I think PG underpants now would at least be like panties. Do you know what I mean? Like I think it would be. Like a or a sports bra. Kids are mature nowadays. Well, nowadays yeah. with the, the youth getting corrupted, there's yeah. <laughs> um, more and more sex in their let's movies. Let's talk about the preponderance of internet pornography and yeah. what it does to the to the neural <laughs> network pathways. But so he's he's in the hospital. Your dopamine centers should not be stimulated in those ways at that young. No. Yeah. Wait. Uh, so he's he's in the hospital and he's he's discovering that he has powers and. Mm-hmm. We're about to get to, like, sort of the second, I guess, the second arc main plot of the movie. So and we find out Eddie Griffin's really horny. Yes. That's the we first do. scene. Um, My favorite character. But let's... Jake. Let's take a break, um, and then we can come back and discuss what the Meteor Man actually does, does with his powers. So get... Be excited. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to us discuss the Meteor Man today. Um, if you have any, like questions or comments or if we got something wrong or if you disagree with like our takes on Bill Cosby or some shit which I actually don't want to hear from you if you do but no no, come on oh okay all right Matt wants to hear from you you can address those messages to Matt um any messages that you'd like to give us can be tweeted at us at kids table pod on twitter that's at kids table pod 
or you can email us at kidstablepod at gmail.com. Um, we, we welcome your thoughts. Matt welcomes your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Oh, Comment and do it if you think you've got the guts. Guts! Do, 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 do you have it? Global, uh, global guts? Yeah. I thought you. I thought we were doing a thing. What's after? What comes after that? Uh, what could I've possibly done as a call and response after that? I don't know. I thought you would. You're clever. Anyway, rate, review, and subscribe. High criteria, smooth exterior, could be no less than the making of making a media man to your rescue. Top of it, did you? He can't stand to see wrong being continued. Slice, slick, wicked, hula, whenever shoot him. To execute him, boy, you got to just boot him. Shifty. Alright, anyway, welcome back to the kids' table, guys. We are still here with me, Kendra, and Matt is on the other side of the table. Hello there. And Matt's brother is here, too. Because Kendra feels bad. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm feeling less bad. As Let's a, get into as it. The Golden Lords. <laughs> Don't blow out the mic. Sorry. Listen, <laughs> these people make crime look good. I oh. They're very stylish. They're and great. All coordinated across all ages. Um, I can... It's like fashion, fascist fashion. Yeah. Chic. Do, you, do you guys know who uh, did the costume design for the Golden Lords? Mm-mm. No. Um, it's Ruth Carter, who is Spike Lee's costume designer uh, most often. And she, I guess, took a little break. Uh, Hot off Malcolm X, which was the year before. Yeah, no, yes. Oh, damn. I'm going to do Meteor Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's certainly a change of palette. Yeah. Like, in terms of... She's looking for some variety in her work. Yeah. She, um, it's funny, I interviewed her at Comic-Con this year, and it was for Lenny Letter. You can go read it if you'd like uh, on Lenny Letter, which is Lena Dunham's newsletter thingy. Um, and she, I told her, like, it was very true. She designed like most of my childhood, like in terms of the images that I have from pop culture. Like she did most of them. Like yeah, uh, full Golden Lord. Yeah, every day. The Meteor Man, um, Malcolm X. She did Baps too. <laughs> she designed that orange oh, jumpsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she makes the Golden Lords in this movie look so good. Was it They're... her idea to give him a tiger? Um, that would probably be art direction, props master. That was a inspired choice. That tiger. There was a leashed tiger. I, I burst out laughing. Me too. When the tiger first showed as up. soon as the, the tiger sort of emerges from the darkness of an alleyway at one point, and I screamed. It was amazing. And it was amazing. Their their gang has a hierarchy based on age, mm. and it's like such a good like school to prison pipeline. Sort of like you've got like the baby lords and then the youth lords or something, which is just Hitler youth, and then you have like. <laughs> The Golden Lords, and yes. they all have like insignia and like black leather, and they all have bleach blonde dyed hair. Yeah, mm-hmm. they like, look like uh, cut high a... top. It's high top fades, and then bleached. It's really great. And I they, love it. And when they're all in formation, it looks great. It's yeah, like one of the better aesthetic things in the movie. Definitely, and they're all every time they are introduced, they're in, they're never shown um, sort of top up. I feel like they're always, did you guys notice, they're always introduced, like, between the shoulder, sort of, and the hip. Huh. The camera always, like, hits them there. Just their torsos And then show they'll up. move up. They're always stepping into frame, shoulder, hip, and then the camera moves up to show, like, the line of them. Yeah. They're a very synchronized gang. Yeah. And when people are going through initiation, the little baby lords, Love everyone it. shows up to Love watch. Love it. Yeah. The baby lords get to mug some lady who, you know, Mr... Robert Townsend, Meteor Man. I already forgot the <laughs> character. Just call Meteor Man. Yeah, just, just call Meteor, Meteor Man. Man witnesses, but they all show up. Everybody, every single member of that gang is there to watch. It's a really like supportive community. Yeah. 
I mean, oh my god. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, can just plug in some <laughs> Cut this out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a it's a it's a very supportive community. The Golden Lords are a very supportive community. Mm-hmm. I was just saying they look the best. They're right, like uh, it looked like Demolition Man. They all look yeah. like the sort of Wesley Snipes character. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that. You know what? Speaking of so sorry, just speaking of Wesley Snipes, this movie was so stacked with people that there were two people I was surprised weren't in it. One of them was Wesley Snipes. The other was Sam Jackson. Like I was really shocked that he never showed up. That's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. Just. Thoughts. Yeah, you While might as well talking, get those two in there. Yeah, I'm gonna look up what they were up to. That they were probably busy. They had busy <laughs> I'm, schedules. I'm sure Sam Jackson was busy. Oh he has God, never yeah. not been busy. Yeah. So like, when when does um when does Meteor Man cross? Obviously, the Golden Lords are the you know drug scourge gang of the town that Robert Townsend's father, who runs the community like board center, center has been trying to like, combat for it seems like most of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh. And uh, when does Meteor Man... I forget when Meteor Man, like, first crosses them and gets on their shit list. He first crosses them as just his... Nor- in his normal layman's clothes. Because I think he, his dad old, gets caught up with them. Yeah, the dad gets beat up by the Golden Lords. And uh, he, yes. like, sort of pseudo-stands up to them. And then he tells his dad that this will never happen. Well, no, he... His dad gets beat up. And then his parents find out that he has superpowers... Mom gets real excited. Yeah, mom gets straight up unhinged about it. <laughs> yeah, like concernedly unhinged. Like just cackling and saying Meteor Man over and over again. She's, there's one point she's like, it's a very, um, it's sort of a, um, it's like an allegory to Ma and Pa Kent, kind of, where they're being very supportive and helping him with his powers and trying to, des- specifically when they're trying to design his suit for him, which is famously how superman gets his suit his mom makes it for him and she's sitting at her sewing machine just cackling no one else <laughs> in the room no one else is there she's by herself she's cackling and kicking her feet up like at the sewing machine and she's... prepares to manically like <laughs> like she's on amphetamine she makes like 80 different costumes in like this montage and they're well, all like really elaborate that's what ma ma kent does too like in uh, lois and clark the new adventures of superman i feel like i remember that like different outfits yeah different different versions of the suit before they settle on the one iconic one my favorite prototype is the one with the uh polaroid cameras on either shoulder (laughs) where he's like don't have any proof and then he flashes one he's like now i do i I saw matt watch that for the first time and he actually did have a genuine laugh out of that one i thought that was a really good gag yeah Uh, (laughs) um so once he has his suit he he goes out to fly yeah and the flying is so lame. Well, he has a fear of heights, which is established during an earlier not great gag. But that mu- I feel like that was like written in later when they like felt like they maybe it was easier to animate him or like green screen him like flying about a foot off the ground <laughs> <laughs> at like a very slow pace. Like yeah. he could just probably just walk. <laughs> like, like it's really weird looking. Mm-hmm. I well, guess it's a gag. I guess I'm supposed to be laughing. It but... is a gag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because Eddie Griffin says, "Don't worry." Someday he'll get over his fear of heights. Right, he's still a wiener. I yeah. keep forgetting he's like a little baby. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> his first run with the gang, or not his first, but where he he, they try a... to come back at him. We were mm-hmm. talking about guns earlier, yeah. and how vicious they were. Well, no, wait, first context. he okay. destroys their... He destroys the crack house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He blows all the crack into people's faces. <laughs> and, they get, and they get high. 
So they're all high. He blows the crack in everyone's face. Specifically Bismarck Key's face. Yeah. Who's like the guy that like runs the shop, it mm-hmm. seems like. Yeah. Drake's place, by the way. Yes. The community has a big issue. Like, I remember one point they're talking about like the problems that are plaguing the community. And they're like, all the drugs are at Drake's place. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like seems like an easy. What idea. a localized <laughs> drug problem that is! It's not dispersed throughout the entire city in no, any confusing way. It's just at Drake's place. They're Drake. They're Drake's. Just yeah. blow all the crack in their faces Yo, at Drake's place. They yeah. run that one block, and then also they run Philadelphia. And they're trying to expand into New York. And they're trying to expand into New York. I think they also mm-hmm. have Baltimore, maybe. Yes. Yeah, Baltimore, yeah. Philly, and DC. Yeah. And there's... so he destroys their crack den first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he punches someone and calls him Crack Boy. Which is, like, <laughs> not an insult, really. It's like, gotcha, Crack, crack Boy! <laughs> and then, like, blows all their crack into a cloud, and everyone gets high. Yep. Uh, so then they retaliate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With a drive-by shooting. With a drive-by shooting that is markedly different in tone <laughs> than the rest of the silly movie with the, like, fun soundtrack. Suddenly, it's like people with guns drive by, and he gets lit the fuck up, and like <laughs> with an Uzi by a guy named Uzi. With an Uzi by a guy named Uzi, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Don Cheadle, and Don Cheadle, and, and that's like named Goldilocks. Anyways, yes. <laughs> so that was my first real like shock to the uh, system, where I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, he, he's trying to say something here about the black community, <laughs> right? And he's trying to put the fear of God in you, probably yeah. literally, because I think there's some Christian values in this. Definitely. Uh, about uh, arms yeah but then so uh, it's after he's lit up at this drive-by shooting that they go to a community meeting right they, they end up at the community meeting after that and they're like well you could help out here and you could help out in south africa <laughs> yeah they're like they like have de- huge designs they, for him they really are asking so much from him so they're so thrilled that he's there to protect their community he does a bunch there's like some other stuff he does where he like stops some other petty crimes right in, in the meantime, they cut to the Golden Lord's superior, who is, is in Frank New York. Gorshin. And it's Frank Gorshin. And he's so good. He is yes. so good. <laughs> he's a goddamn hero. He lights up every moment he's on there because he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. Like, uh, like when you least expect it about stuff. And uh, also iconically played uh, the Riddler in, like, the 60s, like, Camp Batman. Yeah. And, like, speaking of the camp level of this movie, because I think this movie does employ a level of camp. Like, I think we can all... Intentional and unintentional. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it it tries to be aware fully, but it's not totally. Yeah. (laughs) Part of me was wondering if, like, maybe there was also supposed to be some sort of, like, Dick Tracy thing going on here as well. There's a lot of influences that I think are happening. I don't know if I could even list them all. Yeah. But, like, there's a ton of, like, especially, like, aesthetic stuff that feels like it's lifted straight from, from other movies. Yeah. For me, like, once Frank Gorshin showed up, he has, like, such a rubbery and expressive face. You thought of, like, the, like, I, tiny eyes and yeah. the big hands McLaughlin just, and stuff like that. It just suddenly felt a little Dick Tracy-ish. I was like, <laughs> oh, if that's the reference that you're going for, like, okay, I kind of get it. Um, but, but he backs away from any straight point of reference like he uses 30 seconds of the star wars theme (laughs) and then there's like yeah i don't know there's like the fucking demolition man reference with the and then it's so all over the place and same with the overarching plot lines because they introduce this larger conglomeration of like gangs that all report to this one guy yeah it's not really like dealt with too intensely and it changes things because if, if if the if the if it all sort of the apex of that whole system is 
what anyone would expect, like, an old, corrupt, rich white man. That's, and I thought maybe that's what they were trying, they were trying to say something about, like, these low-level, like, black, like, gang members reporting to a rich white dude, but they never followed through with that train of right. thought. Right, <laughs> like, if you're supposed to then empathize for the exploitation of people who think that they're working for themselves by, like, rich capitalist crooks, like, it, that doesn't really work because you're still not supposed to like the Golden Lords. Yeah, right. they're cartoonishly. And cool. also the Saudi Arabians are just also yeah. in that boardroom. So it's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like totally like, what are the implications? <laughs> Is this like blood oil money? Like, what's happening? It, all the money, it seems like, goes to that guy. That yeah. did we not like the what like is ninety three anything historically happening there that we should uh, Desert Storm? I get we we only have like five things that we mentioned. It's like Bill Clinton, Desert Storm. <laughs> <laughs> we were children. Yeah, and that's what we remember. Yeah. Monica Lewinsky. We're not yet. OJ Simpson. Yeah, OJ, OJ had not happened yet. Not yet. Not yet. He was still in our good graces. So yeah, there's this whole like expanded, like sense of of the scale of the crimes. Right. But it's a, but you know like. It, the the movie is like more specifically about community involvement. Yeah. So yeah. it it's supposed to be local. It has it should stay local. I'm so glad Frank Gorshin's in the movie, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So uh, Townsend, this is just an overarching thing about just that point. Townsend um has like basically kind of the same issue that Spike Lee has in a lot of his movies, in that he gets. It seems like overeager and wants to cover a million issues all at once. And so you can see like all these different sources of inspiration pulling at like him from different sides. The problem is what like totally hampers this movie is that he still wants to keep it under like a kids movie umbrella. And so like he just like he he, he dips his toe in the pool of certain certain subjects that he wants to tackle a little bit and then he just backs away. It's like too cold, he can't do it. Yeah. And so it just ultimately seems so confused. And that's another plot line that Shows up right there. They have that big, giant, creepy meeting. And then you forget about it. It's gone. Until he shows up right at the end again. I feel... I forgot that character existed until the, like, the last, what, two yeah. minutes of the movie? Yeah. I, I'm feeling like, now that we've, like, gone through Townsend's filmography a little bit, like, I feel bad saying it, but it's, like, also just clear to me that Spike Lee is the better director. Oh not... God. Yeah. I just not wish... For, I sorry, I was watching. Not that we movie. have to compare yeah. them, like not that they have to be stacked against each other just because they're both black directors, but because they're both working in the same era with like, like it, they it's... came up the exact same time. Yeah, Townsend's first movie, Hollywood Shuffle, is nineteen eighty-seven. I think she's got to have it as nineteen eighty-six. Right. You know. So, but you, you also, like we we said at the very beginning, though, yeah. like they're not they're not gunning for the same. They're not. Mm-hmm. But like, I think just even like watching like. Having seen, I love Hollywood Shuffle, but like if I watch that and then I watch She's Gotta Have It, and then what followed that school was it School Days, days and then obviously Do the Right right Thing. Like those are three very good first movies, like all with like a technical ability. I think yeah that I have never seen expressed in a Robert and like a unique technical ability not just that he knows where to put the camera but that he was willing to like what I call spike a vision where like the camera's <laughs> moving forward and the person like it's yeah. doing that weird how I'm not describing the it weird right slide thing yeah the weird don't like walk. he's yeah exactly he's like willing to do like different things where yeah. as Robert Townsend is kind of, kind of seems more like a point and shoot and hope that the script speaks for it yeah it just bummed me out because I thought the movie had a lot of potential yeah i thought the premise was interesting the concept of doing it through like it as like a kid's superhero movie mm-hmm. is like an interesting way to sort of like 
you know, address that issue or just like explore it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, you know, it didn't, you didn't well, I think as, as someone, as Spike Lee, who also casts himself like a lot, uh, he's a little bit better or he uses himself less. He's, he's never, he's never like, is he ever like a centerpiece in a Well, movie? and she's got to have it. He's, uh, he's one he's of the boyfriends. One of the three. He's Mark yeah. Blackman, who's the guy that, he's like the comedy relief almost. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he baby, just baby, use, baby, 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 He uses baby, himself. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe baby, he please. just uses Sorry. himself better than, than Robert Townsend does. This movie, like, yeah, I, like I said, I couldn't tell if this should be just given a higher rate, like a harder rating, mm -hmm. uh, so that they could, like, Tap into stuff. A little tap bit into more. stuff a little bit more instead of having to like dance away and, and be kind of confusing. Yeah, yeah. Because the gun, the gun violence really, like, it's, I don't know, it's like really intense. And like, <laughs> they keep trying. The gang keeps trying to like straight up mass murder community people all the time. At one point, children, or at least it seems like well, there's the, the implication. Whole, the whole community watch board, the people that are coming right out of their meeting, the gang at that scene towards the end of the movie yeah they're like up to just murder literally every single person in the neighborhood in the neighborhood yeah there would no one would be alive anymore <laughs> it's in a that really terrifying scene mm. and and the, yeah the police don't factor into this either until oh but they do no i'm are. saying oh okay i know that they do but i'm saying it's like weird when they they finally show up they do one thing at the very beginning where they're just there but yeah. they kind of prevent a crime from happening mm -hmm. by just sort of being there so it's positive messaging we're going, we're going like a little long here, but like, so basically once, once he gets his powers and he starts trying to fight the, the golden Lords, the golden Lords obviously put a target on his back yeah. because they're pissed at him trying to edge in on the neighborhood essentially. So the community decides that he has to leave. Meteor Man has to leave the community. Yeah. They turn really quickly. Yeah. They're like, yay. And yeah. also there's a weird sequence. I would. I don't want to miss this. Okay. Where he grows a weird GMO like <laughs> mutant garden, and it's like the community garden no, that heals no, everybody. No, it's called a garden in the ghetto. Oh yeah, that's what uh, the news anchor says. Yeah. And everyone's just like plucking like giant Gi mutant pumpkins. One and of stuff. the pumpkins is like <laughs> as big as the building next door and to it. And there's like ears of corn the size of like grown men and stuff. And like <laughs> yeah. it's like this will feed the community. It was just like this weird. And he used it with his totally undefined set of powers. Yeah, right? but I assume like yeah, the, yeah, because he like sticks his hand into the dirt and everything starts to and grow. irradiates it exactly and, then, yes. and makes it mutiny. And then he like creates a cloud and then like shoots a laser out of his mouth or something <laughs> and it like makes rain and then it grows a pumpkin it's i don't understand don't ask questions. it's all healthy it's good for you the mythology it's fresh fruit <laughs> the mythology of his powers and the definition of exactly what his powers are never quite solidified the only thing they're def definitive about and it's because it's the thing that pays off at the end is the reading being able to osmotically absorb the full knowledge of a book by touching it and yes. retaining it for 30 seconds. Yeah, like, that's right. the one thing they hammer home because it is the one thing that they then use at the end. Yeah. As, like, a payoff. As a payoff. Yeah. Everything I mean, else is, like, fuck it. I mean, once <laughs> once we get to the end of the movie, I mean, it's a really straightforward, like, the community turns on him um, because he is bringing too much attention of the gang to the neighborhood and thus creating a violent, dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a final community meeting where they're, all discussing what they should do um and they don't notice that meteor man is there for some reason and they're just like talking about him yeah like they're just blatantly talking about him he's standing in the room no one notices um just sad yeah yeah and then he gives like a little speech a little uh a little do oh better. yeah uh-huh it's a um, and this is where like the politics of the movie really fall apart for me this is the this is the thesis yeah this is this is the thesis of the movie um 
everyone complains about the police and they're not perfect but how can you complain uh about your neighborhood he means Mm -hmm. how can you complain when you do nothing yeah which is basically the thesis is we the black community should be doing more about black on black crime like that is the thesis of the movie and the term black on black crime is said a bunch of times yeah both as a almost like a punchline sometimes it is used as a punchline at one point yeah. and then and then in, in total it gets serious seriousness later yeah. where they're like we need to stop black and black crime yeah <laughs> which i mean and now like obviously like watching it now this movie now in 2017 that like as annoyed as it would have made me watching it like in a black studies class in college between the years 06 and 10 like now it really pisses me off just given everything it's just been proven less and less to be the like it's just so reductive that it, like it's it's da- it's the opposite of helpful obviously yeah. it's just totally damaging and like victim blamey yeah i mean and this is where it um this is where like while i do still think that like meteor man and luke cage come from like the same place of meditation mm-hmm. this is where they diverge <laughs> yes well we have very yeah. different perspectives based on years of years of uh you know yes situational learning if we can say it so blandly and actually and the thing is though luke cage still relies like super heavily on respectability politics like there's that whole scene where he he meets like a thug up in or like what he i think he calls him a thug at one point yeah up in uh mount morris park and he turns the guy turns a gun on him and like calls him the n-word and he's like if I was an N-word, like, I would, he, like, basically is, like... Does a little grandstanding before yeah. he beats the shit out of somebody, and yes. you're like, I but see, like, moral high ground uh, validates violence. Right. <laughs> but it's, like, this whole thing about, like, you know, respectable people don't use that word because we don't think of ourselves as that, because if we think of ourselves as that, then we become, like, that whole... Yeah, yeah, the weird night Orwellian idea that if you th- can think something, you will, like, become it somehow. Right, or overcome it. Like, if you believe it... You know, it's like, oh my god, it's like... It's like The Secret. It's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, I was gonna say, it's like Put fucking, it um, Iyanla the other day tweeted, Iyanla, the woman who runs Iyanla Fix My Life. I don't know. Okay, anyway, so she tweeted the other day, she's like, if you don't see, or if you don't allow racism and sexism to, like, affect you, then it won't. It's like, do you, guys, okay. do you guys? Do you guys ever? Or sorry, I like. I think the Matrix is telling me this steak is juicy and, and delicious. Right. Ignorance is bliss. Yes, <laughs> okay. exactly. Cypher. Exactly. Uh, and it's like, and I think someone tweeted. I think it was like Crystal West, like tweeted, like, you can't the secret away racism. I'm like, that yeah. doesn't work. But do you know? Can I just say <laughs> like the kid? I yeah. can't the secret away racism. Yeah. I love verbing. Uh, <laughs> the like intellectual underpinnings of that is like a perversion of like the greek stoics like the like seneca and like marcus aurelius like people that said the opposite but then it got inverted where it's like accept like your worst case scenario in your head and then like it will cease to be as opposed to like wishing for everything to be amazing Mm -hmm. and like visualizing that enough into reality like it's like they inverted it when originally it was supposed to be the idea was like anticipate the worst but like prepare for the best or, or prepare okay. for the worst but expect the best kind yeah. of thing i mean yeah so that was a long way i guess of saying that but well don't don't denigrate my contribution no, no 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 i'm very happy with your contribution thank you for that like you you read Matt's always reading a book he's, yeah. all, he's always fucking reading i'm very sensitive <laughs> as you just heard he's very intelligent and very sensitive <laughs> all right well, now um, you're no, in front of me no so, no, no no but point being so yeah i 
Luke Cage and this movie come from the same place and but diverge, but also both really rely heavily on respectability politics. That's what we were getting at. So Meteor Man has basically this realization and this speech. There's literally a spotlight shining on him in that scene, yeah. which I thought was kind of hilarious. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and then that takes us basically to the final confrontation. Because this which, is what I really want to talk about, is the ending. But wait. But literally I, the last minute of the movie, I want to get... I just want to okay, talk about it a little bit wait, with you guys. We have, okay. to, we have to establish the fact that like when this the big ending climactic fight starts, yeah. it starts with the golden lord standing outside of the church slash community center and the lead golden lord yelling wait what the, when the you told me that you oh i don't well, i want you to cut it and i want you to cut it in oh okay because i'm not gonna do it okay it'd be weird it's right. gonna happen right here yeah and you'll hear that now any and no okay. wait let me set it up <laughs> wait, okay. okay so like yeah like the lead golden lord is standing outside the church and he's you know calling him out in classic western dual style uh dual style and he just gives the craziest, <laughs> longest. He just says Meteor Man for a solid, like, minute. He so just like, yells it. long. It's so long. And the camera stays on him. It just slowly pans out. Yeah. Oh, the other thing we should set up is that Meteor Man... Losing his powers. Has, be has lost his powers, basically. As deduced by his friend Michael, who is a genius. Who's a genius. Yes. Anyway, I'm dropping... Okay. Me. Wait, so we're going to drop that sound in now, and then we'll, we'll go on. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird to do. Okay, Man has stepped out and he's let's, ready to fight. Let's end this. Final confrontation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Meteor Man is lost his powers. The Golden Lords are there, finally, to kill him. And he decides to step up and, like, be the basically Jesus Christ figure for the community and go out there and let <laughs> allow himself to be murdered. Especially tragic since he knows he no longer has powers. So it's Yeah. Just... yeah. Yeah. Also, James Earl Jones putting on wigs the whole movie. <laughs> we didn't really address that wigs the whole movie, but really just the one wig. That's well, he's like... wearing that weird... Okay, wait, we didn't just... Okay, so James Earl Jones's character is never really explained. He was false he's... to doom in Conan the Barbarian, and yeah. now he's like this. So he's Jefferson... James Earl Jones plays Jefferson's neighbor and, like, friend and jazz enthusiast the entire and movie. And wig enthusiast. And for some reason, he's wearing a weird wig, and also, like... Kids' clothes the entire movie. Well, he, yeah, he's yeah. a confusing guy. He's like, yeah. he, no, he's just an old guy who wants to be young. That's yeah, his whole character. Crazy. Um, but anyway, so at the end during this final confrontation, Jefferson's Meteor Man is losing his powers, and um, he's getting his ass kicked by the main Golden Lord, and James Earl Jones comes in with like the album, like the record chakram throw, yeah. like, from his window. <laughs> And like nails him in the hand and is really good. Yeah, yeah. slices his hand with a record. And then gets stuck in the window. Yeah, I think it's a Billy, I think it's like a Billy Holiday record or something. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be impactful because you learn in a scene like where, that you've completely forgotten about at this point <laughs> that he likes records. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like at the beginning of the movie. And now the fact that he's willing to like trash Roll one of his records yeah. in order to save Jefferson's life is yeah. a big deal. It's right. a huge deal. You can yeah. tell that there's a familiarity with the concept of screenplay, <laughs> but that some of the stuff. <laughs> was just not firmly established enough so i feel so bad saying that because this is a talented talented man this movie is just not this cast is fully stacked. cohesive it's not we enjoyed our experience we did yeah we so did. the community redeems themselves after scolding meteor man because right before he's about to get 
basically shot in the head in the middle of the street. Right. James Earl Jones starts disc throwing um, his records out the window, and then he slowly gets joined one by one. Right. right? Throughout, people open their windows throughout the neighborhood and start hurling shit. It's a very, like, I'm Spartacus moment. And, yeah. And then... Yeah. And then the, it, then the it gets The day weird. is saved. <laughs> so they, then, then, then... The Bill Cosby away. comes out and mops it up. The day is saved by Bill Cosby, the spiritual leader of this whole movie. <laughs> Who all he's done before this scene is been watching TV through the wall of his basement, um, somebody else's TV, and just kind of changing the channels. Yeah, that's it. That's well, oh, sorry, done. we should explain. He found a piece of the meteor that hit Jefferson, so oh, he's he sitting it. with the meteor next to him, basically the entire movie, just rubbing it with and then, powers, and then being able to levitate stuff. Yeah. Also, every, uh, Meteor Man can talk to a dog, and it's and and <laughs> that was the, actually really funny. The dog's voice is it's so scary. It's just like. And it's like, well, please stop. Break please up. just have it bark in subtitles. I don't need a voice. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, yeah I, it's it's hard to watch a movie where Bill Cosby saves the day. He saves a dog's life too. He rubs the dog, and then the one of the Golden Lords, who's now juiced up on the meteor too, throws a like what is it a, trash, a dumpster? A dumpster. He throws a small ass the dumpster, dog, and it just slightly cracks the dog's and, like, He throws a dumpster on top <laughs> of the it. dog, and it's, it has three maybe little cracks. And ribs. wait, can I say that the X-ray of the dog's ribs that they show because Bill Cosby like some uses, bullshit. It looks like <laughs> it looks like someone lined six plastic straws up and like cut two of them and then yeah. separated them slightly. Yeah, that's, it's not real. No. Um. But yes. How do, all right. How do we? I, I want. Let's just talk about the fact, Jake. You, yeah, you seem yeah. to really want to talk about the end. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I just want to talk about the ending, which confused me. Um, anyways, <laughs> Bill Cosby saves the day. The Golden Lords get freaked out. They run away, and then peeling up in a bunch of their cars comes that old guy of the crime syndicate that Fra- you forgot Frank about. Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin. Thank you. Um, he comes out and he's pissed because he's like, "You're impeding on some sort of weird East Coast domination thing yeah. that I'm up to." And it makes me not have as much money. So he gets mad, and then he starts, like, screaming at him. And then uh, Meteor Man has officially lost all his powers now. He's just a normal guy. Yeah. He's just Professor Freed, right? And then he, um... he He can't do anything. And it looks like he's actually gonna get, like, shot again or something like that. And then these cars pull up behind him. And this is what was so confusing. Um, outsteps the band Naughty by Nature and Cypress Hill. <laughs> and Cypress Hill, yeah. And they don't really say it. I don't remember them saying it. I had to learn this from reading the Wikipedia page afterwards, <laughs> but they are the they are the Bloods and the Crips. Yes. And right, totally unclear. And I think the Bloods and the Crips have been mentioned once or twice before. Right, but they don't... Maybe. Not well enough, But though, definitely the makes... main... Yeah, because the main gang in this movie is just is the, the Golden, Golden Lords. It's yeah. a fictitious gang. And yeah. then suddenly two real gangs... <laughs> Bloods and Crips come Played up. by famous rap groups and like, yeah. yeah. Jump around. Yeah. yeah. Insane in the membrane. So yeah. I guess my question would be because we know that some like rappers of the 90s definitely had like gang affiliations. Like did Naughty by Nature and Cypress Hill have gang affiliation? No idea. But it's not. It's just stunt casting. Yeah. yeah. Not... Could they not get Tupac? And like. It's stunt casting like Bismarck Key and bill cosby even who mm-hmm. has no actual point to be there besides just like his star-studded name at the time like 
they just show up and it's like, you know, they both had really like popular records just a year earlier. So you're supposed to go, whoa, Cypress Hill and Naughty by Nature. Yeah. What and, oh, sick. And they show up. By the way, the movie has one minute left. So they, <laughs> they're not going to do anything. They just show up and they point a bunch of guns at this guy. And the guy's like, you know, maybe I'll just take a vacation or I'm something. Going like Bahamas. Something. Yes, and, and this uh, is what. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then, uh, you know, he's sort of like, you and what army and all these other Bloods and Crips show up on the roofs of the houses with their guns pointed down at them. So the syndicate lord is like, yeah, I'm going home. Sorry. Whoops. And he drives away. And then the Bloods and the Crips. Uh, say anytime you need us give us a call and they get in their car and they drive away and i'm like also the cops do come to just arrest frank gorshin yeah oh yeah that's right. they arrest frank gorshin so fucking un like incoherent ending like for a for a message now that you're like the bloods and the crypt save it. the day they save the day right so what are the many way- things we can extract from that ending a whole movie dedicated to the fact that the community needs to look out for itself when tackling issues of like localized crime. Making guns yeah, scary. Okay, Making in... guns scary. The the two real life gangs save the day. Okay, but in I With guess guns. what is that? In some ways that could be interpreted <laughs> and the as cops if come to. But if help. the gangs are part of the community, then they have just saved the community. But when does the community turn into a gang? But aren't the Golden Lords part of the community technically? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, By the way, there's no helping them. The kids are like, we're not going to try and help the kids. They're just like, get out of here. Yeah. And the kids run away with their little golden hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that is... We'll kill you later. Okay, <laughs> that's like one thing that we can say about the Bloods. <laughs> so Bloods and the Crips in this movie like aren't using children. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, like... What, like they also aren't using tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Gold Lords are a wacky gang. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so hip and fashionable. They're the best ones. Uh, so yeah. let's rate this. Yeah, motherfucker. let's. Yeah, let's take a take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna rate this, and then and then yeah, we're done. We're gonna watch a great movie. This Bye. Time. Hey guys, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Kids Table. Uh, remember, if you want to rate, review, subscribe, please do that over at iTunes. If you have comments for us, you can hit us up. Um, at Kids Table Pod on Twitter, that's at Kids Table Pod, or you can email us questions, uh, comments, or even movie requests. If you have a movie that you want to request that we do, uh, feel free to email us at kidstablepod at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and we're gonna get back to you now with our uh, final thoughts and ratings for The Meteor Man. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, we have been discussing the meteor man thanks for listening this is our last quick segment because i know this episode's a little long there's just a lot in this thing yeah there was a lot to pull out a lot to extract a lot to talk about um but we're gonna do our usual ratings now where we rate it on a scale from one through five as we would have thought of it as we would have thought watching it as children and as we thought watching it now um Jake, as our guest, would you like to go first? Sure. Should I start with kids or adults? Or is it whatever, up to me? Whatever okay. you'd like. Um, uh, rating it now, uh, I would probably give it two stars because it was... I thought it was funnier than I... Than, it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, but it's so confused and mixed up that I can't objectively say it's anywhere close to a good or coherent movie. Okay. Two stars. As a kid, three. Because it's funny and there's some aspects to it that i thought were kind you know i could still get behind it as a kid and viewed through that lens there's anything that i would have thought about this movie now and the themes it was trying to tackle 
just wouldn't register so i would just take part the goofy stuff and and like it for for what it was yeah it's like white suburban new jersey residents like it just wasn't quite <laughs> not, on our minds not for you yeah um so as a kid uh i definitely i watched this movie so often but i don't actually remember like what my thought of it was like whether i was just watching it because robert townsend was such a thing or whether i was watching it because i really enjoyed it <laughs> um but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I would have given it a three as a kid, because um, it fell within the within the the genre of shit that I really enjoyed, superheroes and black people. So you know, it's two things I like. Um, now as an adult, you know what? I'm gonna stick with the three, and I'm going to do that for two reasons. One, because I like the amount of the amount that it made me think about like political shit um and because and this is like purely aesthetic and stupid but because i kind of want to do golden lords cosplay mm. it's fantastic i mean were like there I... female golden lords no but there were female like villains at the end like yeah. in that group that had all the guns there yeah, yeah, yeah. there were women there but no i really like i would love to do golden lords cosplay with like a big like big group of black cosplayers bring right. back that meteor man awareness yeah yeah god i can't forget can't forget um i'm like pretty close to jake too i would give this movie a two probably now um because it is pretty wild in some parts and uh it's fascinating as a, a product of its times and uh there's some pretty good well-filmed stuff and there's some like aesthetically really cool stuff and the golden lords again just cannot yeah. emphasize how cool they are and i i really think like most of the credit for like how cool shit looks like all has to just go to ruth carter like shout out to ruth carter uh <laughs> that's all her as a as a kid i probably would have given this like a 3.5 or something like mm -hmm. just because yeah, I don't know. There was, like, enough stuff that was funny. I don't know what age we're... I guess we're talking about 90... 93. Three, so... Yeah. yeah, I would be a little. And, like, I think... Uh, I think I would have liked the talking dog. And <laughs> the, the tiger. There would have been the shocking reveal of gun violence, which I would have, like, <laughs> been, like, titillated by. And like, ooh, this is yeah. adult shit. And, like, so, um, yeah, I'd give it a 3.5 as a kid. Cool. Um, can I ask just one closing question of all of us? What's that? So, we haven't seen... Um, kazam or steel yet which mm -hmm. are i guess or steel specifically which is like the other black superhero movie of the 90s that i can think of that's yeah i think that's about it we haven't seen that but i think we've all seen what is probably widely considered the worst superhero movie of the 90s what about blank man i don't think that's a kid's movie okay i'm not sure i could be wrong um but so is this movie better or worse than batman and robin I couldn't tell you. I can't remember that movie. Oh. Batman and Robin? Like the George Clooney one? Yeah. I the cannot Snyder remember that movie. Film? Yeah. Is uh, that a, that's not Snyder. No, it's Joel Schumacher. Or Schumacher. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, Ice yeah, yeah. To meet you. Nipples on the vest. Yeah. Uh, Ice Age. <laughs> that one looks better. It does. But as far as content, yeah. it might... It's certainly seems like it's shallower i don't know it I don't seems have shallower. A good... i don't think batman i would have to guess batman and robin doesn't have as noble of goals no. to try and no. like no. preach some sort of message and get across i think it has a global something. warming theme mm. yeah maybe by accident <laughs> maybe if he you... tripped and just wrote it as he <laughs> fell across <laughs> his script yeah. keep it in 
ice I mean, to it's meet more you. just ice to meet you. Is <laughs> is the that's just like says that, it all. That credit card. I'm sorry. Please. I just I wanted to ask only because that is like the worst superhero movie of the '90s I can think of, and so I thought I would just I would just bring it up. But it's pretty bad. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us for this extra long, dense one. Matt has to go. But I have to leave. <laughs> and we're in his apartment. Think of this as the magic man of. Sorry, no. Get out of here. <laughs> I wanted to say Magic Man, I fucked up. What? I was trying to think of a big, giant, thick, boring book, but I messed up. Hey, guys, we're your friends. Thomas Mann. Thomas Mann's Magic Mountain. Check that out. Bye. Oh, the Magic Man. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, wait. What? what, what? Sorry, Matt, where can, where can they find you on the internet? I've, okay, uh, trickscomic.tumblr.com. I'm drawing a, a comic about the Tricks Rabbit. Jake, where can they find you on the internet? Get over here. I, I'm on Twitter. I tweet, on average, about once every five months. Uh, it's jrtorpy. Great. Cool. Okay. And I'm Kendra, and you can find me on Twitter at KendraJames underscore. And uh, thanks for listening, and bye.